G'day everyone, and for those who came in late, you're listening to X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. He washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck, and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty, and all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom! The ghost who walks the Enemies beware The phantom's always there But you won't find the phantom G'day, we're the Chronicle Chamber team And this is X-Band the Phantom Podcast Our website is chroniclechamber.com And you can contact us via email chroniclechamber at gmail.com Or you can subscribe to us via YouTube, iTunes Or a plethora of Android apps This is episode 205 our december 2021 comics and news podcast welcome jermaine welcome dan how are we fellas yeah good thanks mate um getting into the christmas spirit but no it's fast approaching yeah i see you wearing your hat i forgot to put mine on i thought we had another podcast to go before christmas so i left it i'm sure that we do we've got a christmas merry phantoming podcast coming up but uh I suspect that Jermaine is already in the festive spirit, given that today's your birthday, mate. Happy birthday uh, for today. I see you had a fantastic Phantom-themed cake um, on, uh, on the socials over the weekend and uh, chuffed to be welcoming you into the 40s, mate. No, 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 not 40s yet, mate. Still, <laughs> still, still late 30s. Uh, <laughs> don't age me even more than I already am. Um, <laughs> but no, thank you for that. Um, yes, we had a birthday theme, Kate. I think it was my wife's way of um, apologising to me for missing our anniversary uh, this year. Right. Oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I've got a few more brownies re- up, my, up my sleeve. Well, to repay her instead of spending time with her, you get to come and do a podcast instead. Yeah, that's it. Well, she's putting the kids to bed. That's the best birthday present you can ever get. <laughs> ah, very good. Okay, let's get straight into it. So, since our last Comics and News po- podcast, Fru has released uh, three more issues, three more normal issues. I don't think there's been any extra apart from the normal issues, no. Um, first off is um, 1905. Poor Masons, it's just a shot away. The, the Phantom in Nam series continues. Um, great cover there by uh, Paul Mason, who's written and illustrated the story, which sees the Phantom now going through, and I've forgotten whereabouts he is in Vietnam now. Um, Huey. Sorry? Isn't it Huey? 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 Hue? H-U-E? Yeah. So for anyone who's going to pick us up on our pronunciation. Um, one thing I like without getting much into these stories, um, into the plot of the story is um, thanks to, you know, what the, the introduction page as well as um, the message from the publisher and not knowing too much actually about the Vietnam War apart from it was a, um, a major point in history. But these little bits there give you enough info to go and search something up about it and learn something more about the, about the history of the Vietnamese War. Yeah, every time, yeah, exactly right. Every time there's been one of these stories, whether it's the short eight-pager or the full-length ones, I have then spent half hour to an hour just going from, you know, from one page on Wikipedia or or going on a YouTube video or or whatever and just immersing myself in the Vietnam War. Um, And, you know, it goes on a lot of tangents here. And I also like how there's like real life people in here. So like you kind of 
you, you know, then you go searching for this person, you find out, oh, wow, what, you know, that they did this type of story. And I think that's the beauty about comics is that for someone who is a bit of a novice in the Vietnam War, is that it gives you a great appreciation of the war, of the people that have gone before you, the people who have fought on both sides and lost on both sides. And um, yeah, I, I enjoy the, I enjoy these stories purely, even if it's purely just for that. Even if the stories were no good, which they are, they're, they're excellent. But just the right. just learning more about the history of the Vietnam War, I've, I've been in, you know, it's been a bit a huge tick in my for me. Yeah. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I, I really love these stories. I um, probably have a bit better background of Vietnam for no other reason than I've taught it at school. Um, I was few... thought you were going to say because you were alive back then. <laughs> not quite, not quite. Um, Dad was old enough to have been conscripted. If he was actually, if he was one day older, his birthday would have come out of the barrel. So, oh. um, so not quite old enough to fight, as it turned out. But. Um, um, and maybe because it's that story, but certainly I've always been a history buff and, and I've enjoyed teaching the Vietnam War to, uh, to secondary school students over various times. So I've got probably a little bit more of a background knowledge, but um, Paul Mason's stories go into a depth and a detail that, um, that um, you know, just reeks of authenticity. Um, and I get, and I, I'll wager that every time you've done a deep dive, Jim, you haven't come up with much that would, um, would counter um, what Paul is depicting here because he's... Um, it just is. It's meticulously researched and um, and really captures the the vibe, the theme, the um, the mood of the time. I think. Yeah, I also like how the fact that Phantom plays a key part, but he doesn't play the key part that changes history. Which I think sometimes some Egmont stories can get a little bit too close with, and there's always that fine line of how much does a fictional character change history. And I think Paul's found that well. I think for the most part, Team Phantom men do that as well. But I think sometimes or a lot of the time, depending on where you sit, they can get too close to that line where I think Paul does not get close to that line at all, which I, I think is a real feather in his cap. Yeah, it's the old thing about, um, you know, this major point in history only happened because of what a fictional character did in the story. Like, yeah. No Doctor Who really treads that line and sometimes it goes over it and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and it's a yeah. hard, it's, it's a very hard line, especially when you know. Let's face it, half of Team Phantom End stories are about past phantoms. So, <laughs> you, of course, you're going to um, cross that line occasionally. But I think so far, uh, Paul has, and I think it shows respect as well, because this is such mm. a, from what I understand, it's such a. Uh, there's probably no winners in that war. Everyone came out a loser, yeah. um, and. I think it would. I think it would do a disservice if, you know, the if if the Phantom was not portrayed the way he is. Yeah, and I think, um, and, and I've sort of got a two part response to that. I think that Paul also really carefully walks the line of um, the Phantom in a battleground because at no stage in the um, in the story does the Phantom take sides. He tries yeah. to stop. Um, injustices on either side, and, and we've seen that across the course of a number of stories now, not not so much specifically this one, but across the course. Um, and he also, he doesn't kill. He doesn't stoop to either side's uh, level um, and still maintains the uh, the Phantom doesn't kill line. Um, and I think all of that is probably summed up, and, and, and when you say about 
um, not actually influencing the the course of history, but just being part of it. And there, it's summed up in the last two lines on of the story, um, in in what I guess is the Phantom's Chronicle entry, where he says, "In the battle, I did what I could. In the end, it was and never will be enough." Mm. He didn't change the course of history. The Vietnam War did end up as an absolute disaster for everybody involved. Um, and while the Phantom was there trying to do what he could, um, it, could it, it wasn't and never will be enough. I think that's really well put. Yeah. One thing I did like about the story is I like the I like the whole motorbike. Yeah, the, I was going to mention the, that calling it a hero. That's yeah, great. yeah, and the and the big panels, which was you know like that one there, the big double page. Yeah. Um, and then there was also that other panel where he was sleeping off. Um, yeah. no, this one, this the one, parallel yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah, the parallel ones. Yeah, exactly. That's a, a really good word. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of great work in that um so you know that, that's great storytelling but what i actually liked as well was getting background on the from the vietnam side of it with the locals so having the two sisters on opposing sides and i thought that was really well handled um, yeah. because there would have been you know there would have been a lot of that of people fighting on both sides who were family members and it probably would have only just been uh, you know, n not really a decision. It would have just been circumstances that would have put them on opposing sides yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, I think I think he, I think he's done a really good job. I really, I'm glad he's had more pages to play with rather than just eight pages in here. Yeah. Um, just because he was able to get a lot more deeper, I feel in this story because he had you know the 22, 24 pages to play with. Yeah, I probably, it, it's a very minor criticism, but I did, I had forgotten about the search for the prince right up until yeah. the very last page. Um, maybe a, a line or two about that earlier in the story to go, oh, that's right, it's part of that continuing arc. Um, very minor criticism and one I've literally only just thought of now as you were talking. Um, and I guess part of that is because of those, that um, I really enjoyed that parallel story um, where the moment that he's riding in on the motorbike, he's had this flashback to a moment um, in a different life in a way where he's done exactly the same thing and it showed him how to act in, you know, even those experiences in the jungle prepared him for this war in Vietnam. Mm. Yeah. Um, I actually contacted Paul about this story, one saying how much I enjoyed it. But um, there's a couple of panels where the Phantom's wearing is wearing a helmet. I'm just looking at the big, well, the two-page spread on page uh, 10 and 11, for, for instance. And you can see he's got something tucked into the band on his helmet. And it had me staffed about what could that be? I'm sure it's not going to be like you see in others. They've got like the fellow on the cover. He's got like his pack of ciggies or mm. there's a little hip flask or there's something like that. And I'm looking at it, I was trying to figure out what it could be. And I thought it's surely not a pack of ciggies and it's not a hip flask because that wouldn't be the phantom. And then I, I looked at it, I thought, that kind of looks like a book. Maybe it was a, like a little chronicle he was, he was writing in. But I asked him about it. I said, no, he, his idea was that it was gauze. So for anyone who was wondering what he's got packed in, into his helmet, it's um, you know, a, a gauze pack you know, for your first aid kit. That's Ooh, what there you go. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's the good thing about someone like Paul as well, is that you can talk to him about the story and kind of you know, get behind you know, get you know, get behind the actual story, and you know, talk to the the man who created it, and and stuff like that. And that's one of the reasons why we do creator interviews on this podcast as well, is because you know, people insight. Yeah, people love love all that insight and stuff like that as well. So no, that, that's good, Stephen. 
Mm. There we go. Investigative journalism. Just <laughs> I, thought, my pullets, so. I thought it was uh, it was interesting. It was a bit jarring, actually, in the moment. Um, a lot of people would criticise um, or have commented, I suppose, that's the wrong word, um, have commented on Paul's work as being a bit too cartoony and that, you know, stems out of um, Kid Phantom, obviously, where that was played up. Um, the, the moment on page 20, at the top of page 20, when there's suddenly a very graphic depiction of what can really happen in war, um, would suggest that, um, you know, this is this is not necessarily just a cartoon. Um, it, it does depict real life, does depict real war as well, and, and it puts the whole thing into context, I think. Yeah. There's no vying away of the, the, the horrific violence from mm. the war. Mm. Um, so just before we um, move, move further forward, did you see the, uh, the little reference to Lee Fork on the, on the front page? On the front page? On, the, on page three. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the cover. Sorry, not the cover. Um, <laughs> um, is that the, the, the Leon? The secret document, the one that's on top. Point one, as you are aware, intelligence officer Leon Harrison Gross has been coordinating. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's been. I think he's been doing that in all of them. I, I think it's great. Yeah, um, just talks to Lee Fork being the chronicler of the of the Phantom <laughs> speeches. Actually, I forgot to look for Easter eggs in this one. That was the only one that, I re- that yeah. jumped out to me. Um, I think, and, that, and of course, hero. No, and hero, hero, of course. Yeah. But but no, I felt that this was a story that was more the story needed to be told, and and Easter eggs might have distracted from the story. Yeah, there was there was a very serious subject matter, and um, and the flashback sequence for me was was a really good way of paying tribute to you know traditional Phantom stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Anything else you just want to quickly mention, or we'll move on? No, I think we I think we move on. I think it's a very um well put together piece and i can't wait for the, for the next one to come through the, it's just astounding the storytelling the artwork it's it's brilliant and um yeah. be interesting to see what it would look like in color is probably my only comment because his work yeah. really does pop yeah i, I wonder if <laughs> make page 20 even more graphic one thing yeah. i would like them to do i think you raise a good point is maybe when all the stories are being completed or when there's enough is actually to do it as a graphic novel with color Oh yeah. Um, yep. And you know, and and then maybe Fru need to go down the path of, and I'm not sure how you would do it or something, but you know, like part of proceeds go to, um, you know, to like a, RSL or yeah, RSL yeah, or you know, legacy or something like that, and then you, yeah. you release it around the same time, and you know, and and you know, it's just and to kind of because. I, I just think that, you know, it, it could be a nice touch to be able to do something like that where just to be able to pay some respect, put it in a nice, you know, uh, trade paperback or something like that as well. So hopefully, you know, through do something like that. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know how many more stories they've got in the pipeline just sitting on um, Dudley's desk waiting for their turn. But, um, yeah, I can't wait to see more. And, and packaged up like you've just described, I think that would be magic. Well, from memory, that one was actually written a while ago, that one that we just read. Yeah. Um, but it was published just in time for Remembrance Day as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the week before. Okay. Now, also in that issue was the Riddle of the Grey Mar- Malcolm, but we'll get to that later because it's 
um, six, part six to eight have also appeared in, in the other issues. So moving on to through issue 1906, which is The Phantom of 1776 by the late Don Newton. Um, Puts the Phantom, I uh, believe, in the in the Civil War in America. I've got that right, haven't I? And now, um, did they miss a huge War of Independence? It's the War, War of Independence. Yeah. Did they miss a huge trick not releasing this set for issue one seven seven six? Yeah, maybe. Well, you could have released it on the fourth of July. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, All those sort of things. Um, now, for those who are on YouTube, I'm going to be, as we're talking about it, I'm going to be flicking through it, but it's going to be the Charlton scan and not the black and white scan of this. So, Which um, is probably better because as I was reading this, um, well, I did read the message from the publisher and, and, and see that um, I definitely mentioned that it was uh, Don Newton's uh, final story. But, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I don't really, I haven't really been too keen on his art way it's been in here but then i remembered hang on a second i have a book full of don newton <laughs> right? and so i opened it up and i feel it was a lot better um in in here than in the um than in the free comic my my criticism would be that it lacks definition in the black and white um whereas the, the color gives it a lot more clarity i i feel yeah um yeah, I just kind of lost some sort of focus. I was thinking words like splodgy and that sort of stuff. I think that didn't sound right. So if I said it lacks <laughs> clarity and mm. uh, um, that's what I meant. But when you, add, when you give it its colour, um, which I be, I'm assuming that's the way it was um, originally intended yes. to be in colour, um, it creates a completely different atmosphere and, and the story looks good, whereas um, yeah, in the black and white, a lot of detail is lost, I feel. Yeah, it, and it also like it, like for instance, this page here on page you know six and seven. There's a lot of blacks, which isn't really black, and it just yeah, you, you're right. And that was my criticism the last time I printed a Don Newton story, was again it didn't really work out well with it being printed in black and white. Um, so I'll have to agree with you there, Stephen. What about you, Dan? Yeah, look, I hadn't, um, I hadn't read this story before. I also own that Hermes Press book, Steve, that you just waved up there, the um, collection of um, from Charlton, the Don Newton art book. Um, but I can't say I actually read through this story. As I, as I sit here now with my copy of The Frew in black and white, I enjoyed reading it. Um, I did think at one stage, oh, I wonder what this would look like in colour. Now that I see it up on the screen that Germ's sharing and the YouTube people can see, um, yeah, I think it, it does look nicer in colour and probably um, would be a more enjoyable read. But that said, um, I still really enjoyed this story and yeah. I've read it for the first time in black and white in through issue 1906. Mm. Oh, it's yeah. a great story. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in the same boat. Like I, I was reading it in the through, but then I kind of, would flick over to the to the colour one just to get an idea of the of what it would look like in colour. But yeah. yeah, I actually read it in the in through for the first time. Yeah. So for those who are not aware of who Don Newton is and all that, do what we talked about before and actually do a bit of a, a Google search on him. He's a he was a highly influential uh, artist who yeah, grab the book that Stephen <laughs> Scott. We've got it. We've got a review of it on our. Um, 
on our uh, Chronicle Chamber website and our YouTube channel. Uh, it's it's worth getting. Um, I've had a lot of a lot of Don Newton fans say that it's probably one of the more definite type of collections and information about Don Newton as well. So um, I, I remember first reading his stuff when they, you know, probably 20, no, it would have been close to 30 years ago now. And it took me a little bit to get used to his art style. Um, but once I got to it and kind of understood it and stuff like that, I really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, really enjoyed this story. Um, I'm not sure if this would be my favourite story of his. There's a couple, there's probably two or three that are kind of like really close. Like there's the... Um, Oh, what is it? The, the Ibex mystery and the, the Beasts of Madame Khan and this one are probably my three favourite stories from uh, Don Newton. But this is a great story because it's and it's very patriotic as well for our <laughs> American friends. Yeah, it is and it isn't. Um, like it, it, I found it really interesting to read in that context because it was it was published in 1977 the for, for the first time and. Um, America was at a different time of its civil rights movement at, through that period. The 60s had been quite tumultuous and the 70s, um, you know, no less so really. Um, the fandom is quite openly um, anti-slavery. And, and while, yeah, I've, I've got some qualms about the way it ends and the way that he operates when he's... Uh, I was worried initially, then he comes back and goes, no, I'm actually against all slavery, which was, which was good. Um, for, from my 2021 lens, um, and the fact that he's talking through Benjamin Frank, um, sorry, um, Ben yeah, Franklin, is that who we're Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's who I thought it was. Yeah, that's <laughs> sorry, that, I've had a little moment there. Um, you know, so there is that patriot, patriotic element to it, but there'd be certainly people in America who would call themselves patriots who would quite disagree with the, the way the Phantom handles this. Yeah, well, but, you know, I'm sure there's probably Phantom fans that aren't vaxxed either. So just because you're a Phantom fan doesn't mean you got brains. <laughs> uh, um, well, we just had a rally here in town. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so I want to quickly talk about the cover. Like, So this is the Don Newton cover that he did. It is very, um, uh, very iconic cover so like you search for don newton this covers always one yeah. of one of his best pieces of work highly talked about whoever's got the original art to this could probably write his own check if he ever wanted to sell it um and then you've got luca roberta's cover which is uses the same patriotic flag type of thing that's the second time that luca's done an iconic phantom cover that he's had to redo a phantom iconic cover this one and then probably the um the what do you call it the uh the flag the um yes, the, the other one involving a flag yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i would say that they, these two covers that he's had to redraw or redo for a through issue would, would be maybe the two of easily the top 10 most iconic phantom covers ever so it's big shoes do you think he's succeeded with this cover I think it's a good cover. I don't think it's as good as the Don Newton original, but um, this one looks nice and polished. The other one, it's a very different style. The other one looks rough and rugged and, and war-torn, whereas this one's very clean and crisp. 
mm. and it depends on what type of mood you 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 want from the story. Mm. Um, certainly take under advisement what Dudley said about um, a sudden production rush on the needing the, the cover, and it sounds like Luca really um, rose to the occasion. I'm not sure what sort of time frame that means, but it doesn't sound like he had a big one. <laughs> um, up front, I, I, you know, I don't particularly like um, the, the Luca cover. Like, it's I fully um, understand it and respect it, and, and it is a, a great use of the tribute piece, I suppose, but... For mine, it's just a little bit too Superman, you know, with the cape billowing, mm. the, the stance in front of an American flag. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that, that would be my um, interpretation of it. Um, and, and I do think, yeah, for, for the reasons that Steve said, probably Don's is the better one. But, you know, we're measuring something that is one of the all-time, as you say, iconic um, phantom covers, certainly ever produced by um, an American publisher. Um, against one that has been produced in in rapid time for uh, for Fru in Australia. Mm. So I wonder, wonder what our American audience would think of it. Yeah, it's a good point, and I wonder if this could have been a cover that could have been like done for you know uh, what is it July the fourth or you know yeah. um, so that might have been my only probably my only criticism with this issue. <laughs> was that it might have... And I think maybe that's a bit of an overall issue that I have with some of what Fru do is that they could time some of their releases of their comics to be, you know, more strategic with certain times. Like, this could have been a brilliant one for Fourth uh, of July. The, you know, the Vietnam one could have been good for, you know, Anzac Day or, you know... It, just... oh, it, wasn't, time, it wasn't time for Remembrance Day. I'll give it that one. Okay. Yeah, and the um, the rainbow flag cover was around Mardi Gras. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, I do. I do like the back cover. I must say, I think Luke has done really well depicting those soldiers rushing out of uh, rushing out of the smoke. That's very very of the era. Yeah. It works like yeah, filters into the into the flag. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Next one. Was just, only just, just, yeah, sorry, but before yep. we do move on, just that I, I thought it was interesting reading these two back to back, um, that in many ways there were similar themes between the two, like it was the Phantom being involved in a point of history ah. and discovering that as try, try as he might, he can save or he can have an influence on um, one small part of it but can't solve the larger problem. And um I would have probably enjoyed more of a balance for that with the Phantom of 1776 because he got, you know, the, he, the reason he goes to America is because many people from a village have been captured by slavers. He goes over there and is only able to find one and mm. bring that one home, which is very realistic. I get that. But it, I just um, I wasn't looking forward to the return of that one king's son to the village and the family saying, oh, well, I saved the king's son, but I didn't find anybody else. Yeah. And I get that he couldn't completely um, solve slavery, of course, but might have been nice if we didn't able to bring most of the civilians <laughs> of that citizen. See, I actually oh, think yeah, that's, that's a good critique. I actually think it's better that way because it, it, it shows the realism that he, you know, that he was only able to save the one. Yeah, yeah. As I say, realistic. Um, 
whether three or four when he was able to bring all of them home. I still like to have a, a good news story. Still that realization that I'm not going to solve slavery. Um, but yeah, maybe bringing a few more home would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just interesting. Like, yeah, you're like, oh, he needs to bring more, and then I'm like, oh, I actually like the fact that so. Yeah. And 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 I guess that's the beauty about why we have a couple of people discussing them on the podcast is because we all bring different, yeah. different views. But yeah, just the, the two of those back-to-back, um, the NAM story and the independence, um, War of Independence story, similar themes, going into a war zone, not picking a side, doing what's right and being frustrated at not being able to do more, you know. Yeah. Well, issue number 1907 was very much a change of pace. There's no yeah. war in, in <laughs> this story, Nosferatu's Revenge. Um, by the late Claire Sremerthy and uh, I'm not going to pronounce that right, Janice Auden. Oh, that's pretty good, mate. Not too bad. <laughs> and um, a cover uh, uh, reading in by uh, Dudley, very quickly done by um, Alex, Alex Tripp, Alex Tripp um, who's done it's a nice wraparound cover there with mm. um, uh, front and back. And um, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I enjoyed this because um, yes. when I when I first looked at the cover, and I thought, "Oh, this looks like a vampire story." I, I was I didn't have big um, big expectations on it, and I saw it was another. It was Claire. Uh, is it Claire or Klaus? Klaus, no. I think. Um, yeah, I thought it was Klaus, and thought, "Oh, this could be a supernatural vampire." Do I want to read that now? And thought, "Oh, I've got a podcast. I better read it." <laughs> um, <laughs> But it was a lot different than what I was expecting, and and something that could you know uh, you know realistic. Yeah. Um. This is this will be. I get the feeling this will likely be fairly high up in the um uh top top through and. Oh, um, I'm not putting it that high. Uh, and Phantom End stories of the year. You reckon? Yeah, I just I, I thought I just, it. Was, it, it, it was higher than my expectations, but I don't know if it's that high. Oh, I'd, certainly I it in, I'd certainly have it in my top three of the stories we're reviewing tonight. <laughs> well, you're only reviewing three. <laughs> um, I, I, w- I would not be surprised to see this top five for both for both countries. Why do you say that? What puts I just it- I, I just think it, like like you said, it's you know it, 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 it's fun. It's kind of you know it's it's it's, it's got all the elements. It's you know, it's fun. Um, I like I like reading about the Twentieth Phantom. It's not the Twentieth Phantom would be one of the phantoms that we don't actually kind of see much about. Um, the artworks, the artwork is great. The artwork um, is phenomenal. I'll put that one in the top for the. Um, and I would say it's probably one of Grace's better stories. Probably in his probably last half a dozen to ten years. Um, I like how it, it follows. Uh, if you're on YouTube, uh, the one that I'm holding up, which is uh, 1199, uh, The Hollywood Murders. It, uh, this one talks about how the 20th Phantom met his wife. Um, and so it kind of follows that. You've got, uh, if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see the guy on page, what is it, page four or something, where he meets the guy who he met in that issue as well. So there's a bit of continu- continuity. Um, and so, yeah, I just... I, I, I like I like the story, so I, I really do. And I liked how it's kind of got the, the, the crazy movie guy and, you know, is he, is it supernatural, is it not? And 
for me, that's that's about as far as I like my supernatural stories is where it's someone playing supernatural or, or, or you know stretching yeah. that and then it's it about the old Scooby Doo, isn't it? Scooby Doo, yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a very good way of doing it. And so that's for me, that's how I kind of like it. I don't, you know, I don't like supernatural as much. And so this is this for me is the right level. Yeah, what about I, you, Dan? Sorry, what? I was just asking. What about you, Dan? Oh, I found myself nodding a lot as both of you guys are speaking because I also went into this with. Um, reasonably low expectations to be honest like i loved the cover i thought as far as vampire type covers um go this is is one of the better ones but yeah i sort of went into it going okay it's a remithi it's nofrafado's revenge okay um it's it could be a a, a mummy story or oh, no it's going to be vampires wasn't real keen but again it was that scooby-doo type villain aspect of it i thought that um between the two of them, they really captured the mood of Hollywood, as, well, as I understand it, mm-hmm. the mood of Hollywood in the 19, early 1930s, early, um, sorry, late, 19, late 1930s, early 40s, um, where you've got, and they, he referenced a couple of other actors of the time, I can't find them now, but, um, you know, someone who had struck at large in, in Hollywood and then wanted to to live the lifestyle, it's a, it, he, he's, the, to me, he seems to be based on Bella Lugosi, who, who was... Uh, so famous as one of the first um, Draculas to appear on the screen. And, yeah, it was just a really enjoyable story from, from get-go, um, from start to finish. I, I know, Steve, you would have lumped, loved the – oh, no, sorry, that's in the other story. I've got to remember to bring that up when we talk about Graham Malkin. Um, do you think yeah. – Do you think because you said that you came in it with the low expectations, do you think that actually helps – like, if you came in with, like, let's just say, for instance, we were talking to Mikel, and Mikel goes, oh, this is an amazing story. You're really, really going to like it. You know, top three or, you know, I'm not even sure Mikel's going to say that. But let's just say he did do that. And then you read it and you're like, uh, yeah, okay. But seeing you yeah. had your preconceived ideas that it was going to be, you know, what Mikel has basically done. Mm. And then it's like, oh, it's actually enjoyable. And so do you think that kind of, is one of the reasons oh, why. Quite possibly. Could be. One of the other reasons is that as soon as you look at the artwork, it blew me away. I thought the artwork yeah. was phenomenal yeah. um, in this. Yeah. yeah. He's, a um, great, he's a great artist. Mm. Uh, hopefully but, uh, we don't lose him to the phantom, uh, from the Phantom. Yeah. I, just, I love the way that he plays with the panels, the way that the panels yeah. are broken up. Um, you know, on that page that you've got out, um, the, the panel designs page 18 of the Team Phantomman version um, the, the, the panel edging um, the fact that the character is stepping outside the panel you know the, the, and falling outside the panel you know I think it's really well done yeah, yeah. I really like his I really like his art one, one thing I do like is that is that the art looks just as good as in black and white as it does in colour now, yeah, that, this is a big difference then to the Don Newton, that the art works in black and white here. Yeah, and a lot of artists kind of struggle to find that balance between the two. And so, like, in black and white, it's like if a lot of readers will be going, oh, he's created this for black and white. Not, you know, because it, it, it looks like it could quite easily be created for black and white. And then you look at it in colour and... I remember when I first saw one of uh, Jonas's work, I'm like, oh, I wonder how it's going to look in, in colour. Like, will it look muddy and too dark and and stuff like that? But it looks really good in colour. Like, 
and like especially with like this on panel here on uh, page twenty two, where you've got the fa- the the phantom being blinded by the light. There's a lot of darkness in it, but then you have these bright bulbs of color, which give which makes you know which which almost highlights the blackness even in a in a in a colored comic. So I think he's mm-hmm. I think he's done a really good job with his with his work, and the coloring's done a good job as well. Yeah, and he's um. I really like his Mr. Walker. His Mr. Walker looks strong and yeah. really yeah. good. Something that um, this is my my one critique. Um, and Dudley does say that this was like a last minute inclusion. Um, they had something else uh, for this issue, but realised that they needed to make space for um for the final part of the Grey Malkin. Um, which, having said that, well done to Alex Tripp for his cover at yeah. short notice because that is absolutely um brilliant. But um, there were some translation issues um like right there on the on the first um very first panel um too bad more didn't come along although a desert trip may not be the best idea for a pregnant women you know using a <laughs> you know, a pregnant women you know the single plural confusion mm-hmm. i thought ah oh, that that started putting me down uh, and that, and so that's probably also helped a lot of my expectations oh no but, and and that also there was a couple of things, just little, there were just little things like that, so, which may have happened because it was rushed, but um, there was a couple of little, little um, uh, translation issues on, on the same sort of line. Um, however, I really enjoyed the story. Of, I enjoyed the story. I shouldn't say I really enjoyed the story, but I enjoyed the story. I liked the play with the brothers and the way, and the way things happened. But um, to say it was in my top five for the year, I'd have to really double check the rest of the stories better. Yeah. But the well, artwork, the artwork is definitely in my top five. Yeah. And I do agree with what Germ said about this being one of um, Klaus Ramethi's better stories that I've read for, yeah, whether it's six to ten years, it could easily be, I suppose, because um, this it just seemed like Klaus wasn't taking it too seriously. In this. <laughs> just yeah, having that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I will also say, as we're finishing up, I've just got it on the screen if you're on, on YouTube as well, that the free cover is a lot better than the Team Phantom Man cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would as agree much as, as much as I like, you know, it's, it's a nice cover, but I think the free cover is just horrific and Alex has done a great job in, but even just like, you know, on the bats on the back, how they've gone and got that warm, torn, holes and you know the veins popping out and all that it's just he's it's a scary cover and um yeah yeah, alex has alex has done a a great job with the cover so sorry henrik but you're second best in this one it's it's the eyes that get me and also and also um the colorist mason um has has really brought this to life and and the eyes on on nosferatu they're just you're just yeah. absolutely drawn to them, um, mm. and yeah, and looking at these and this cover and many covers that that Fru does, um, I used to look at the this website and they'll show the best covers of the of the, the month or something like that. But it was all American and and none of them had the Phantom. And I reckon there are many many Fru covers that mm. would easily um, knock down anything that. You know, some independents as well as DC and and Marvel have been putting out. Um, so, yeah, I'd, 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 I wish that these other um, 
comic book aficionados would take a look at our, at our little phantom publication here in Australia and, and see what's going on because um, there's some mm. absolutely knockout work happening here. Mm. Um, now, did this knock you out? With the Riddle of the Grey Malkin, we've wrapped it up, part six to eight by uh, Glenn Lumsden and Jason Paulos. Um, it's all been resolved, or has it? Maybe, you know, they've, they've left it open for a, um, another meeting between um, What's-Her-Face and the Phantom? Paris and the Phantom. Paris, that's her name. Paris from New York. Oh, before actually, one last thing about Nosferatu, because I thought this was fun. I thought this was, this gave me a ch chuckle. Um, the foul's name being Vlad. And the way that he dies, he's impaled. Yeah, yeah. the impaler. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was good. Anyway, um, yes, the Grey Malkin, um, the Phantom. Uh, where do we start off with part six? He's gone to New York. Locked in the basement. Hmm, sorry, no, he's locked in the basement by the end. Locked in the basement. We're up to it. But from part six, he's in New York. He, they've discovered that um, the. Uh, the Grey Malkin has been kidnapped or catnapped. Um, there's a ransom up for it. The Phantom's gone to rescue it. Um, they found out that the person who has catnapped the, the Malkin um, is actually someone that they know. Um, he feels guilty. He tries to make things right. It goes awry. His house burns down. Uh, there's death. And then, but still, we've got the Phantom. We've got Paris and the, the Malkin. Um, and he gets and knocked on the head. Steve's he favourite Bloody well list. knocked on the head. I'd, That's what I'd, I was going to bring up before. That was the I'd <laughs> forgotten that. I was actually remembering how good, how much I was enjoying this, and then you had to remind <laughs> me that they knocked him on the back of the head. Come on, Glenn Lumsden. This I'm, is a chance. You have, you have, you have 20 oh. seconds to make a winch, Stephen, and then we're moving on. <laughs> I hate that he gets knocked on the back of the head. Ah. <laughs> oh. Every bloody time, knocked in the back of the head. Surely by now, he knows that there's people. He's got these jungle senses. He, it, it, to his his credit, to its credit, it does turn out to be a key plot point of how did he get knocked on the back of the head? It must have been in a secret panel. It's not secret like he just... Yeah, there. okay. No, that, and that does turn out, you get the payoff for that in, in issue or in episode eight. So yeah. uh, I was like you. I was like, oh, not again. But I did like that we went back to it. and um, A secret panel. I'll give, I'll give him the secret panel, secret passageway. All right. Yeah. No, we're now in the, the, the knock on the head free zone. Knock on the head free zone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the, the, they leave New York and go back to uh, Bengala to see if they can reunite the Grey Malkin with its uh, mother um, and because she's done a deal. Well, if the Malkin goes back to his mother, well, then no worries, no harm, no foul. But it, uh, if the mother rejects him, she can come back with me. And the fan goes, oh, well, that's just too annoying. That's so fair and, fair and reasonable that it's, that it's annoying. How could I... How could I um, uh, uh, what's the word? How can I say no? And um, and he gets hoodwinked. And he gets bloody hoodwinked. <laughs> I, I must admit, anyway, I, that's that's. I, I, I started off not liking Paris, but by the end of it, I she I, she grew on me. She's a fun um, character. Yeah, yeah, and I like how she kind of fooled the Phantom, and she ended off with a kiss, and it's very McCoyish, like. Wilson McCoy kind of era stories always ended off with the Phantom giving 
every 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 chick a big passionate kiss. It's very phantom esque <laughs> kiss. Um, so, but yeah, no, I, I I started off not liking the series. I started then I went on the fence. By the time, and I said it last podcast when he moved to New when he went to New York, I kind of liked a little bit more. Um, it wasn't my. F- it's probably the best gaslight that we've seen. Like I preferred this one than the first gaslight episode. Is it really gaslighty? Um, there's elements of gaslight, but I like I've read. Like for me, when I reread uh, the legendary series uh, featuring the Phantom, when we did our crossover podcast back in episode two hundred four, that felt more gaslighty than what this does. Um. See, for me, that's more steampunk, which is close to yeah. what I would say close to gaslight, but you know, with more modern touches. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way he's done his boat here seems to be a little bit more modern. Yeah, I don't know. It just it just didn't seem it just didn't seem as gaslighty as probably what as I kind of expected. But I think I might actually like that better because it's more phantom than you know than. The Phantom running around in flying carriages, and you know something like the you know the Wild Wild West featuring Will Smith or something. That's probably, you know, I think I yeah. prefer a less less Phantom gaslight or gaslighted than say going to that extreme. Yeah, but, I, but I overall, think... it was probably a solid. If I had to give it a out of five, I'll probably give it a three, maybe a three point five out of five. If I had to, if I had to put a, um, a vote to it. Hmm. I think that for the Phantom, that that by gaslight can simply mean um, the Phantom who was in the 1890s, early 1900s, you know, that 20-year period, Um, and, you know, probably visiting cities because that's where the gaslights are rather than being the jungle stories. Um, So I'm, I'm quite happy with the... Having not read a great deal of other gaslight stuff and having a preconceived idea about what that genre should mean, um, I'm with you in terms of of the two Phantom Bike Gaslight series. I enjoy this one much more. Um, I thought that the you know far fewer characters made it easier to keep track of when you when you're coming back you know once a fortnight sort of thing to read them, um, and uh, and I thought it was really well paced. I thought the the chapters, the episodes were really well controlled and it and it unfolded in a really logical way. I loved the fact that. You know, even though there wasn't a, um, you know, I was I went into episode eight thinking, okay, here's the resolution. It's all going to be wound down. The bad guys have been caught. Um, suddenly, another bad guy appears on the scene, but there's not actually a physical confrontation. I thought that was. I like that. I really like that. That was actually probably what that that page there, that bit where he got scared off because of Paris having the phantom phantom mark. That would be one of my highlights from that whole series was that that little bit yeah and that's we've talked before about creators who really know the character and that's a sign that the creator really knows the character it's not just a um an adventurer they're they're putting in that story it's a, it's the actual phantom that's in that story so i yeah. would say that was probably harder to write than just the phantom just punching him so yeah um, yeah. yeah so I, I think that's really good now question Glenn Lumsden or no Glenn Lumsden? Page well, if you're 26. The cameo of Glenn Lumsden on page uh, 26 of, that's the, the last one, isn't it? Of um, episode 1907. Yeah, I think that that is 100% Glenn Lumsden. 
Yeah. yeah on YouTube, we'll, we'll show a, a comparison um, as well, but yeah, we might put it on social media as well. But now, I'm not sure Glenn was not dressed like that and well-groomed like that when he did our podcast with him, with us. Uh, he, had his, he had his hoodie on and he was really rugged up in the middle of winter. But um, Now, did he appear earlier on or not? I, I can't remember if yeah. he appeared earlier on, but when I saw that, that's panel, the journalist. I thought, yeah, when I he saw was that, panel, the was, yeah, that journalist certainly appeared in episode one and two. I think of Graham Alkin. Um, I haven't gone back to have another look because yeah. um, it didn't necessarily stand out, but it certainly leapt out at the page as we go through that one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so nice little cameo there. The writer being a writer, <laughs> playing the role of a writer in the story. It was um, nice. But yeah, it was, I, I thought it was a fun story, and yeah, if there if there's going to be another meeting between um, the Phantom and uh, Paris, well then let's see how that how that goes. But exactly. we also we, we also learn of Paris's fate. She doesn't last too much longer after uh, this adventure in the Grey Malkin. The, the dreaded flu gets her. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because, as you said, it, the the story did finish with an opening for another meeting between the Phantom and, um, and Paris Green, but clearly it would only be fleeting. Anyone thinking yeah. that she might become a future wife of the, of the Phantom, that, that's going to come straight away because we know she dies three years from now. Yeah. yeah. But I kind of like that. It, 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 and it's also clever from Glenn because then it, it's like, well, I've got, anymore, a, I've got a potential of, a, of, another, of another story, so now it's up to you whether you want me to write it or not. So, Yeah. Um, okay, quick question. If so, we had eight eight page episodes. If Fru came out with a sixty four page um, color, because we know Jason Paulus does all of his work in color as well, um, sixty four page color version of the, the collected works of the Grey Malkin. Would you uh, would you be interested in that? Would you buy it? You'd of course buy it because we I would all do. buy. It. I think it would work better <laughs> if they did. If they also did the first part, as as though as much as I didn't enjoy it as much, but they so let's just say like you know they did a collective works of Phantom by Gaslight and they did the first part, which was the the three Phantoms, three. yeah, and then this one as well, and then any others. So instead of just the Grey Malkin, they did all of them as collected as one. That's how I would probably prefer it. I wouldn't put them in the same book. It'd be Gaslight One or Phantom by Gaslight One. And whatever the name of that is, found by Gaslight Two, which would be the Grey Malkin. Mm. But sixty-four. How many? How many pages? Dan said, which was sixty-four or whatever. I doubt. I don't think that will be enough for it to be a, a truly yeah. collective type of works. But the first series was what at least a hundred pages. There was ten. You've got the, uh, yeah, okay. So yeah. So, yeah, maybe 10 episodes. So that's, what, uh, 80. Then you've got 60 here. So that's 140. If they did another Gaslight series, then it could probably go to, say, maybe 200 pages, which is probably around the right range for a trade paperback or or, or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. that, that, that. So that's kind of how. But a 64-page one, that's more of just like a, a regular fruit issue, but I'm not sure if you would release it as a regular fruit issue because it's just been published, but a trade well, paperbacks. Yeah, if you were going to do that, you'd want to just put it in the drawer for 15 or 20 years and then bring it out and, and do a 64-pager then. Um, mm. I, I personally wouldn't bother um, collecting Gaslight 1. Um, 
that's what I think of that story. I'm happy. Yeah, but it. if you're doing if you're doing collective works of Gaslight, I think you would include it. Yeah, you don't have to include something just because it's got a name. You've, you've got to, it's got to reach a standard. And and no offense to anyone involved, but I just I just wouldn't be interested in reading that again in any form, to be honest. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wouldn't collect it um, right now. Like you said, I'd I'd be waiting fifteen years. Hmm. Um, now something's happened. Oh, well, I've actually not something has happened, but we'll get to that. I like to read the the, the letters to the editor at the end of the the Phantom Forum. Um, it's something about the barcodes. Did you read the um, letter about barcodes? Apparently, um, yeah, we may mention of this probably a good year or two ago on the podcast. Yeah, that the through that through reuses their um, barcodes, barcodes. And, and the the little number at the end helps to to know what issue number they are. But um, the barcodes are changing. So if you've um, been checking out the barcodes over the last however many years or after the last year, um, you'll notice that the barcodes have been changing because now there's a price increase. We've gone up in, in the space of these issues or between uh, 1906 to 1907, there's a 20 cent uh, price increase from $3.75 to $3.95. Did it break the bank for any of you guys? Not, not for me. Um, I'm sure there's probably some fans out there that still think if a free phantom is a dollar fifty. Yeah, um, that's me. Yeah. Even though I know full well that it's not. <laughs> oh, eighty cents when I got on board. <laughs> yeah, but like we established earlier on, you were alive in the in the Vietnam War. Um, <laughs> um, I, it, it, unfortunately, there's been a huge inflation increase during COVID. Um, you know, milk's gone up, mortgages have gone up, you know, fuel's gone up. It also means that, you know, comics have to go up. It, unfortunately, it's just, uh, it's just society, I guess. I, I do like them doing gradual increases rather than big j- jumps. So, for instance, if they stayed at 350 and then all of a sudden they go up to $4.50, I think that would be a lot harder to famine for a lot of people. But having the the gradual increase, I think, is a good way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, just, just a, a slight interesting point is that issue 1906 is the last one with uh, $3.75 on the cover price. It's actually listed as $3.95 if you buy it off the website. So you're better off getting this one from the uh, <laughs> agents while it's still there if you can, uh, rather than off the website where the price rise has already um, taken place. I guess what it, the, the question it raises for me, and we talked a bit about it with, with, with this issue, and well, with all three, we talked about um, colour versus black and white. Um, $3.95, $4 is, is getting towards the price of a cup of coffee. Um, if we if we started seeing all of the fruits published in colour, surely we're but especially but you know you've got to have a, a consummate um, I'll measure it increase in paper quality to make sure that the colour is as nice as what Jeremy's been showing us on the PDFs on YouTube um, from the from the other publishers. We'd surely be seeing this get up to seven dollars for a comic, and I think that's probably a bridge too far for your fortnightly Phantom comic. Yeah, that's that's the price of you know an American comic, um, I, I think, around about that that much. Yeah, it's seven to ten. Yeah, so between yeah. seven to ten, which is and that's when I kind of get a bit of a shock when I, you know, get stuff at the like, local comic shop. I'll pick up my Phantom, and then if something else takes my fancy, I might pick that up as well. And all of a sudden, sorry, 
And it blows, it's the one that blows the budget. That's the one that blows the budget. Oh, crikey, how much did I spend? I didn't mean, and that's including like uh, two or three dollars, whatever it is, for the for the file cards that you get char- charged as well. So I've, I've already factored that in. Then all of a sudden, you know, the, the extra um, price with the, the colored um, uh, American comic, yeah, that it really does blow up. And but I, you know, handle it. I'm in a good position at the moment, but mm-hmm. if I was a, a, a popper uni student or, you know, a, a, a pensioner who's living paycheck to paycheck, well then, you know, doubling the price is, yeah. it's particularly every fortnight, it, it, it could get a little bit hairy. And um, I think that's why you have to stick with black and white for the majority of it, because the majority of free readers are of your probably 45, 50 plus, which includes a lot of pensioners. Um, and, and I think we, you're also bringing I new could, readers by being a cheaper, a cheaper, not quality, but a cheaper product to buy. I think the stories um, really hold up um, and, and you're getting your bang for your buck with what is essentially $4 now. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't I know. would like to see, yeah, I would like to see at least a colour comic at least once every two months though. Would you? Um, that often? Yeah, because well, what you, Dan just talked about getting new readers, you're not going to get as many new readers with black and white comic as what you would with a colour comic. Um, uh, no, I, I disagree because I, I don't think everything hinges on black and white and colour. I think uh, there's, I think, wait, I think there's a bit of a, look, look, which gets said a lot, that, a lot, that it's uh, your granddad's comic or it's your dad's comic. Um, which is some sort of a stigma on the Phantom, but when they actually go and read it, they enjoy it. Um, so if they can just turn that stigma around, that'd be great. Um, and yeah. maybe well, we, like if we can get, yeah. you know, we're going to be talking about a social media manager in, in a moment, that sort of stuff would help. Having podcasts like us, um, spreading it out, kind of like I've had kids at school who have come across, like I haven't said anything, but they've come across it. And they came across the Phantom. They didn't try. They weren't stalking me. They were actually, you know, doing Phantom stuff. So there are young people out there checking the hero out. Um, so I, I'm not. I don't dive into the black and white big color in regards to getting new new readers because mm-hmm. you've got things like manga, which just goes boom, and that's black and white. So. Yeah. Well, we've got a great podcast on colour versus black and white, so we won't <laughs> rediscuss that here. You can go back and listen to that. Um, and then, Stephen, you talked about social media manager as being an important uh, social media being an important matter for uh, to get new free readers. And I completely agree with what you said. Did you guys read the read the little bit of article about the social media guy? Uh, read some of his answers and all that. Did you like some? what he had to say about what he is looking at doing for free and bringing the phantom into the current What generation. social media is he on? Is he in, in control of all their, like the... I think eventually, and- yeah. So he's done, mm-hmm. so he's on Twitter and Instagram at the moment and then he said that he's in the process of getting Facebook and then he's looking at doing other stuff like TikTok and all that as well. All right. Now, yeah. I think I think I think all of that's good, and, and Dan, I know you're a, a bigger Twitter user than what I am, but I think Facebook Facebook seems to be kind of like a, a an older 
social media platform. I can't believe I feel old saying that. Um, but you know, but uh, I think seeing a lot of free readers are still older. I think it's good that he's still going to focus on Facebook because I think that's key to 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 keep entertaining the older people as well as the younger people <laughs> use Instagram, Twitter, and, and maybe even TikTok. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. For the for the audience of The Phantom, the, that Facebook is going to be absolutely crucial. Um, for what it's worth, I might just show you... Oh, can you get me to share the screen, Jim? Um, for what it's worth... Um, I think that the, the Twitter account that he has started from scratch um, is moving in the right direction. Um, and here we go. Share that. Okay, so this is the, the Twitter account that he started um, and the fact that the banner has changed to the current, uh, the current <laughs> issue. Um, yeah. Each of the issues... Um, comes with a bit of a spiel and a bit of an advertising thing. We've, we'll talk later about the fact that Fru has started to sell Shakti. That's on there. Um, he's shared. That's obviously the, the post that you put up. Um, you know, start of December, get it, get out your Christmas wardrobe. So mm -hmm. there's um, moving in the right direction. Um, I think. Um, have you guys have watched this uh, video of Renee White's? No, if you haven't. I haven't. Get on Twitter. Oh, really? If you, I'll yeah, send you guys the link and we'll put the link in the subscription too. But if you haven't done yourself a favour yet and watched Renee White uh, introduce the, the subscription service and what to do once your envelopes arrive, um, yeah, do yourself a favour um, because it's uh, highly entertaining. Um, entertaining uh, in, a, in a good thing or entertaining in a groan? Uh, look, I'll let you be the judge of, uh, and, and we're back to the very start. I'll let you be the judge of that video. I'm not going to um, uh, prejudice anybody in any way about it, but it's, uh, it's a minute and a half that you'll, um, you'll enjoy on some level, I'm sure. So anyway, the point being that that's the sort of stuff that he's putting up on Twitter. Um, that's exactly the sort of thing we've been saying for a long time should be going up on Facebook as well. So who knows what the holdup is there in terms of uh, Trent getting the keys, so to speak, to the Facebook account. Um, but um, if he's going to be putting up those fortnightly clips about here's the latest comic, why don't you go and buy yeah. it and intersperse that with, you know, Christmas is coming and, and that sort of fun stuff that the fan has got a plethora of images to, to go with, um, then, that, then that will go well. Yeah. yeah well, what you just show, showed us then scroll through, I thought that looked good. I thought that looked well. So good on you, Trent, for, for that little bit of um, uh, so far. At, at Phantom Comics AU for anyone who's on Twitter and wants to go and search it up. If you're not following it yet, they, they have got less than 100 followers so far, um, but I'm sure that, um, you know, there'll be more, more diving on as, um, as time goes on. Yeah, it's the, same, it's the same handle for Instagram as well. Um, I guess... The thing that probably excites me is that something's better than nothing. Even if, and, you know, Trent, he's of the generation where, you know, social media is part of their life. So he's he's grown up with social media. He's He knows what social media is. And even if he only does half a good a job, it's going to be a lot better than what was currently done before. And, you know, purely because... You know, Fru needs to have a presence. We talked before about the need of getting the next generation. Hopefully, this is going to even if even if it only captures fifty to a hundred new readers, which isn't a huge number, 
but it it could be it could extend the lifetime of our com- of of our comic of our characters. So, mm-hmm. um, whoever signed him up, whoever over at Free uh, got him on board, uh, two thumbs up or a good mark for you. Um, and yeah, hopefully hopefully we see some increase in activity about the Phantom. Okay, so we've gone through our issues. We've gone through um, uh, the price rise and the social media manager. Um, we've had these. Well, we've enjoyed the Grey Malkin stories as, as a bit of a um, a backup to the to these shorter. Well, say shorter, but it's probably been a, a little while now. These twenty two, twenty four page Team Phantom stories. What what do you see, or what do you think Free might do for a, a backup story? Now, is there anything? that they might already have up their sleeve, or is there something that Team Phantom has done that they could, you know, get shorter stories? Does anyone have any idea or the inside word? Is there more gaslight coming our way? Um, not that I'm completely aware of. Um, I hope they don't go down the path of the Phantom Crusader short stories that we saw a couple of. Um, as much as I enjoyed the stories by Andrew Constant and Jason Paulus, he's just not the Phantom for me. So um, it was worth a try. What about Andrew Constance? What about Andrew's story um, with the robotic Phantom? Will we see some yeah, shorts? As long as, that, it's, as long as it's Phantom-like, you know, as long as it's, as long as it's our Phantom. Um, or, you know... Does it have to be our Phantom? What do you well, mean by, does it have to be 21 or does it... No. Does it just have no, to be a Phantom no. who is the Phantom? It has to... It doesn't even have to be the Phantom. Like Phantom Men did the world of the Phantom stories, so they did little short stories featuring Garan, uh, Kit and yeah. Heloise. Well, um, you know, but it's from the Phantom universe. I guess is probably a better word. Where Phantom yeah. Crusaders, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, but it sits so far out of the Phantom universe that I. Every time I read it, every time I read the Team Phantom Men stories and then even the Fruit stories, I've just and I've wanted to like them because I've liked the creators that have been involved, like Carrie Lapinan, Andrew Constant, Jason Paul Olson. You know, great guys. You know, absolutely love their work, love what they're doing for the Phantom, but it's just not Phantom. So I would like to. I wouldn't mind seeing some more Gaslight, but you know, whether they're whether they're standalone eight page stories or whether they're parts. What about you, Dan? Were you being a fan of Crusader fan? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of knew the answer to that. I was just trying to see the look at your face. <laughs> I, th- I, I had moved on a while ago. Crusader's right, no good. Move on. Um, like, I like the idea of the world of the Phantom stories. I'd be, I'd be interested in seeing some of those um, because that idea of a, a short clip of what goes on for this character when they're not interacting with the Phantom. I think that's a, that's a really cool idea. Um, and you learn more about that character and it develops their character <coughs> as well, which I think is probably the key point about them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure that it's going to be something we're going to find out super soon because, as we said uh, when we talked about yeah. uh, Nosferatu's Revenge, um, the, the cover was that for that was done in a hurry when... Um, Dudley said he realised he needed to make space for the eight-pager finishing or conclusion of, of Grey Malkin. So he's clearly got a, you know, a 32 or a 36-pager up his sleeve that he's been itching to get into production. Um, and we might see a few of those perhaps. We know that um, the Christmas issue is coming up. That's always a bumper one. Um, so it's probably going to be deep into January before we um, before they need 
maybe even February before they need another filler story and we find out what the what the move is there. But I mean, of the of the options that um, we've we've talked about, the world of the Phantom stories would seem like a good one to me. And and, and of course, um, the if there's any more eight page Phantom in um, stories, I'd uh, love to see those included mm. as well. Mm. What? Oh, sorry, Stephen, were you going to say something? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't go for Crusader as well. I, I, like, I don't hate it. I think, um, like, there seems to be a quite visceral reaction there from, from some people in regards to the fan Crusader. But, um, no, I, I don't hate it. But, yeah, I, I, um, I wouldn't mind it, but I'm, I'm not – I wouldn't be on the top of my list, I guess. I, I mentioned this um, back when we talked about it. But that story, because when I said I was talking with Paul, um, I don't know if I'm able to write. Yeah, he's hoping that one day he can write and draw more more of the series. But those ones that have been published were all done back in 2019 and the beginning of 2020. So from that, I'm going to say that there's probably no fandom from um, in Nam stories in the pipeline at the moment. That'd be great to see some more. Mm. Well, one of the things I would like is. Fru get inundated with a lot of um, potential writers and artists who want to do the fans and they want to get published and stuff like that. So I think the eight-page stories is maybe a good breeding ground or a good nursery for upcoming... A tester? Yeah, for upcoming artists and writers to understand... Cut their teeth. We want to keep cut their teeth with the phantom. Exactly. And so it's kind of like, okay, you want to write some stories? Uh, you know, give us an eight-page story. Or, you know, an artist? All right, here's an eight-page story. Write that. And then, so it's not as a huge commitment for the fruit editors, and especially someone like Glenn and all that, to have to hold their hands for a, a 24- or 22-page story. You know, you can kind of, it, it in theory, is a little bit easier for someone to be out who's newer at it to be able to do an eight-page story. So it could be, you know, like a nursery training ground for some to, cr- to finding some and new talent. You, and you could even advertise it that way. I, I, I see that idea, and it's, and it's not a bad one. Um, it's, it will be up to free if they, if they give it legs or not. Um, mm. But another uh, point we've got here, um, could it be like a mini giant size where, you know, the shadow gets an eight-page story there or a or um, The Raven or someone like that gets their own little eight-page story and it could be like a little, for those people who haven't picked up Giant like Size, a hook. Yeah. yeah, little hooks that they can get themselves into. Would you like to see another, like, a, a, doesn't Phantom and do that? Like, they've got Phantom stories, but then yep. they'll have another story which isn't Phantom? If it is to be like that, it would have to be, it would have to, our Phantom would have to be in it somehow. Kind of like and a then that's not going to work because we're not allowed to have crossovers. Yeah, I know. So that idea has just gone down the toilet. I wonder if they're allowed to reprint a crossover they've already done. So Scorpius, for instance, um, gets a bit of a run. Yeah. yeah. But is Scorpius also too long? We had that issue with Heart of Darkness. We did Heart of Darkness. We can get through Heart of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, but people got a heart, a cold heart reading uh, towards Heart of Darkness. That's true. Personally, as much as I like those giant-sized characters, I want them in giant size. I don't want them in the regular issue. Yeah. I don't mind if they as did, as in as their standalone story. In a while. Yeah, if they did that, it once that, in a while. Yeah, as a hook, but preferably, I prefer the Phantom in my Phantom. Yeah, I want a Phantom in the Phantom story in the Phantom issue. 
Yeah. So even if they're just standalone short stories, that'd be good too. Go for it. Before we hand over to Mikhail and Ankit, who will review the latest Swedish and Indian comics, we are still looking for someone from Brazil to review the Phantasma comics. Please contact us. A new Phantoma review, this time issue 24 of 2021. It, it has a cover by a new artist. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but maybe Percy Okwa. Uh, the only earlier Phantom work I've seen from him is the contribution in the Bushfire book, and now his uh, licensed Phantom cover. We have some ed- editorial pages. Andreas explains a bit about the backstory of these Phantom Traveler pages that we will see for the third time in this issue. And that a Phantom number one, Phantomen number one, was on show on a uh, show that they were guessing values of different objects. It was valued at 10,000 Swedish kroners. Also, notice that Swedes can buy the Norwegian Christmas album from online shops. Uh, the main story is the 999th Team Phantomen story, Gatans Rovjur, so the Street Predators. Daniel Carlson's second story, and this has art by Anthony Spey. As uh, Andreas talked about in his interview in the Expand episode 201, uh, me and Andreas did save the 16th Phantom a round trip to Europe by changing a few words on this first page when it happens. Uh, It's about uh, these street kids that start to disappear, this story. And... uh, Phantom tries to figure out who done it and why and as I mention every time there's a space story I really love the art it's uh, amazing and after the main story there is this uh, that we talked about earlier the the traveling pages that looks like a traveling magazine basically and uh, this one the second story is uh, a Falk McCoy in black and white. The Gru of the Sleeping Giant. This one has some clever points, uh, but as I complained about with the shoplifters in an earlier review, I have some hard times swallowing that all people get fooled by this, uh, the bad guys basically. Well, not all. One of the kids seemed to understand, but uh, his father is hitting him for... Uh, talking out of line basically uh, but I I really enjoyed the retro feel maybe I mean yeah a lot of panels for each page I would say and what's more next issue that will be a real treat as well double issue 2526 the last issue of the year and it will have the 1000th team phantom story and it will also have a daily story that hasn't been published before, the Duncan Monroe story, Hero Complex, and a reprint of a Team Phantom story, The Last Emperor. Wow, that is something to look forward to. This is issue 2526 of 2021, the last issue of the year. And wow, what an issue! Look at that beautiful cover by Henrik Sahlström with the Sing logo but with the Phantom in the middle and some femmes around the other circles. And you should really read up 
before you read this one. Andreas does a great job of connecting so many storylines into this one and the universe feels a little bit more tidy for it. It's art by Janus Orden and I love it. The title is uh, The True Sing Brotherhood and it is a contemporary story mostly about the fallout faction of the Brotherhood after Sandal wanted to be president but also talks a lot about the female jungle patrol members and uh, yeah, tied, tied these up a lot of contradicting uh, facts that are there before. There is also a bit of story here about the 1000 uh, Team Phantom stories and all of the all of the writers and all of the artists how many they have done so leading writer is Glaser leading artist is Kari Leppinen. But James Valve is very close by and after that Felmang. And after that there is... Oh, this is an article written by, by me. Uh, so that's fun. About uh, some of the history of Team Phantom and stories. And uh, maybe I have chosen a bit more of the weird ones I would say. And such and uh, really nice. Big uh, ad for this uh, Rough and Rough next book. And then we have the Team Phantom reprint of The Last Emperor. And this one is great. I would have loved to see it in colors, as I usually do. But uh, yeah, this was published in Fru in issue 984 and 1568. It's about when the 8th Phantom was Emperor for one day and got a nice saber from Junkar. And after that we have this Sunday story from 2017. It was cut off from when it was published back in Phantom 13 2018. Uh, then it was only the second part of the story basically. It's written by Tony DePaul and art by Terry Berry and Jeff Weigel. It becomes quite short without the second part but uh, great uh, to have a little bit more complete of the newspapers in Swedish Phantom. And finally, the Monroe story, The Hero Complex, with art by Jeff Weigel. I guess Australians need no introduction, but I mean, this is a great story about some of the issues Rex is facing when he has, has to be or want to be a fair ruler, and not everyone is uh, playing nice. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this, and in Sweden, we also directly is. Uh, informed that this is um, more than one part uh, to this story and uh, the first issue next year will be actually in December this year so but it's still called issue number one of 2022 it has a reprint of uh, the magic flute by Don Avnell and art by Hans Lindahl and it has the second part of the Duncan Monroe Jeff Weigel story uh, and then uh, we will get more information, it says here, so that's cool. This time we have the Christmas album of 2021. It, uh, To be honest, when I heard about this lineup of stories, they did not excite me that much, seeing it was only daily stories. But when I read through them, I really think the coloring really lifts them to a new level, and I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Beautiful coloring. The cover, made by Henrik Salström, is great. 
Maybe the tiger's eye are a bit unrealistic, but I mean, look at that dynamic and yeah, Stripe is a cool tiger for sure. First off, it's the animal collector. The art is not the best, but quite fun to see all of these Team Phantomen elements added to the newspaper strips. There is a great article by Germain about this that you should check out on Chronicle Chambers. This is the first time this is published in a Swedish Phantomen publication. Then the next story is Swamp Dragon. Let's see where it starts. That doesn't really matter. Here it starts, yes. So, not one of Falk and Barry's best, but enjoyable. I was a bit confused by the translation choices made by Ulf back in the day to alternate between monster and dragon, which uh, when in the original it always says dragon. And then we have Xali. I have read this story so many times, but as I mentioned earlier, the coloring really brings this to the next level. It is hard to believe that this story was done over 30 years ago. I really, really enjoyed re reading that. Then it's the old album from 1971 or 72 it says here. Great, as I said uh, last year, that we're in the years with full color albums. And this includes two Barry stories, that is also a great addition. Uh, I mean, this is the, the Golden People, and yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, yeah, and to top it off, as an extra, there's an unpublished Rolf Goose cover and a short in memorial. Great stuff. Oh, here's, yes, here's the text. Thank you for listening, and happy phantoming. I'm Ankit and today I'll be reviewing from the new publisher from India, Shakti Comics, is the first issue of The Phantom. Now, as many of you who have been following us uh, in all our social media posts and uh, content, uh, you must be knowing that India now has uh, not one but two publishers who are licensed to print uh, the Phantom books in English and uh, one of them is Shakti and Shakti uh, comics comes from the brainchild of someone of basically uh, Shakti comics was initially a retailer of uh, mostly Indian uh, comic publications like Raj comics and all but uh, from this year onwards they got the license of King features to produce comics of uh, the Phantom Flash Gordon and Mandrake and uh, I, I'm not sure but maybe other King feature uh, characters too in the languages of English, Bengali and Hindi. So here we'll be only uh, reviewing the uh, English book. So let's get on to it. Now, one of the things I have to say in the beginning is this is their very first debut uh, as a publication. So they've never been a publisher before. And uh, so one of, one of the things I'll just tell you about the overview, the quality is really good. Like it is better if not at par with regal in terms of just sheer production the, these are this is a laminated cover 
and it's like what a 64 page book and it's 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 got glued binding it's pretty much like a this is also called perfect binding in india so this is basically like what a trade paperback will have but it's small uh so yeah so but there are some issues with it which i will come and i will discuss in uh, great detail because this is their debut issue so uh yeah stick uh, with us uh first we'll just look at some size comparisons now this is uh, their issue now this is a little uh like uh, the size is a little smaller it harken backs to the older indrajal uh, comics i guess so this is what it is in comparison to like uh, regal comics this is regal comics issue 18 their latest issue and as a side by side you can see that both like it's just like about like, like about yeah like a centimeter and a half smaller my length width is pretty much uh, slightly a smidge less when compared to a fru yeah the fru and the regal are pretty much similar except the regal might be a stat bit taller while this so here you have it and uh, coming to some other points here so this is a laminated cover the cover is about 240 gsm i am told paper and uh, the inside pages are all glossy paper and they are about i guess about 110 gsm which is great which is crazy like this is even thicker than the gsm that is used on the regal books and of course the cover is laminated so which is another bonus now uh, the price of this is the same as uh, a regal issue which is 200 bucks however the thing is every regal book has two stories whereas shakti is uh, giving you uh, one story per book mm, another thing so let's get into the inside part uh, one thing i will say is the printing quality and everything absolutely spot on no comms as just like what regal does which is far superior to what you know fru does on a standard comic issue or fru trade paperback does a much better job in printing and paper quality of course but this is the kind of thing that makes me think that you know fru is really behind the curve when it comes to doing printed material on a regular basis like in india i guess it's much cheaper to produce books like this in comparison for fru maybe i'm not sure but indian publishers uh, putting out monthly books with this kind of quality uh, which fru makes once in a year through a trade paperback or maybe a graphic novel uh, the fru subscribers should think about it anyway now we'll go the internals and uh, yeah so the story here is uh mike manley tony DePaul's story the curse of old man moss uh before we go into the story i'll just show you like certain things like there are character bios here for you know the art is done by i think avishik viswas uh, the bio is written by me so yeah the name my name is here and so it's a good thing like you know for a lot of people who are coming straight into this book there are characters whom like Moz himself with, where a lot of Indian characters like Indian readers might not even have heard of him because he himself was came to a much later story and uh, the way Mr. Tony DePaul has evolved his character is very different from what Lee Fock had 
let me trim and you can see the inside the presentation you know like it it's really good the way it's been designed i have like the props is the design oh yeah and the main thing yeah the cover now the cover art is by uh, anupam uh, sinha who is basically like probably the biggest uh, indian comic artist name we have in recent times like because he's like the main man behind you know the super commando dhruv and nagraj so i know a lot of indian like raj comics readers will really pick this up especially because of his and it's it's his style and anybody like you know a lot of, i have heard lot of different different opinions of people but for a established artist who's done a kind of work that he's done for over you know couple of decades now uh he will have his own style you know and uh, nagraj is like the style that he's instantly recognizable for and th- that the uh, so it, it's not surprising that you know there is a lot of nagrajish uh, raj comics elements right in the cover and uh, so yeah anyway coming to the story so here there are some issues that i will point out now and this come in because you know you probably because uh, you must remember shakti is a first time publisher they've never had any experience in publishing so uh, these are probably the birthing pains that we will see which will be ironed out in the next few issues uh, i remember regal even their first issue was very shaky they the printing wasn't uh, at par you know so and they and, and nor were the covers and they've uh, gradually improved it over as time went so we can expect that so technical things that i will talk, speak out is these uh, this comic uh, this that is basically a daily strip and there is a uh, kind of editing certain omissions and more importantly some aspect ratios have been changed to give it that you know comic feel and i'll uh, show it to you in a comparison here so here yeah i've got the stories here my ipad here so you can see i have the daily strip uh, laid out here this is the original daily strip so what we have here is the first page as, as you can see there is here is a bit of edit going on and the first thing that will hit you is the fonts are all different for some reason maybe you know it was bad translation they didn't think they they have removed all the fonts they had probably made everything blank and then they hand like you know they typed it uh, and they used comic sans which is to me a very horrible uh, lettering thing I, I, it looks this is the thing this is one of the thing that will hold them back this is not the issue in mandrake or uh, flash gordon though i'll tell you so phantom bore the brunt of their birthing pains is all i can say and and this also does raise some issues because uh, there are in certain uh, pages i can show you because of literally retyping the whole thing they have had to you know they have made some typos and yeah I'll show you one here i had noticed it as i was reading uh, here and i think the uh, this panel is somewhere uh, just give me a few seconds 
here here look at that the line is there would be no phantom not unit kit returns on his own someday whereas in the thing it is actually not until kit returns on his own so yeah so you this is what happens when you you know uh, remove everything similarly in these edits they have uh, yeah like as i was saying now if you rem if you realize you know these strips are designed in a way that you know you can you uh, so the panels most importantly so you see you have a, two panels here right here and then the story immediately shifts forward to like the third daily and you can see there's been change you know to tell the flow in a way you know so, and and this panel is hence removed which is okay in terms of storytelling because it doesn't hurt the story however it does hurt when like here in in like a panel here you will notice he tells a thug like here that's everything i know now what see and then there was this one now get lost i have work to do now they did not use this panel which makes it the next part of the dialogue i can go i just walk like you know why is he surprised so if they had included this panel now get lost like where phantom tells him to get lost and all this wouldn't be weird because over here is like that's everything all i know now what I can go. I just walk. It's it, it. So that that is the that is the only error that you see. And then secondly, these are three panel strips. Okay, so they have tried to make it say suppose in two panels. So you can clearly see that it has been stretched a bit. If you compare it side by side, you know. The best example is here. Look at the face of the guy here. and here you can clearly see it's been stretched however you will see when they do go back into this normal strip layout thing it really looks good though but then again for better i i guess for bet like here again they are in that they un completely unedited that thing but however here you can again see it's been stretched out so where the story allows it they have stretched it out but basically what i realized is they have tried to make it look like you know more of a comic than just a strip reprint which i really am very uh, which is like i would say is a great venture like they've done a great job that way like it's it's a very new thing it's not something new, but even if you look at it that way phantom and when they, they used to initially you know reprint some of the cyberi stories and all they would uh, do some additions even indrajal did it because the aspect ratio doesn't always work for you know all comics so yeah but uh, taking all these things aside which is you know obviously a lot of people might think like but taking everything in this is a great product this is a fantastic product no make no doubt about it like and also I, as far as i know or understand of the situation whatever stories shakti prints regal won't be printing similarly whatever regal print shakti won't be printing so though i i guess the only way you can have a curse of old man mas the story as a daily is 
uh, by buying this so yeah so for those guys who are trying to complete the reprints of you know post fork uh, sundays and dailies you will have to get both shakti and regal i guess and uh, the best part is they are both bringing out very good products and this is a really good product i i can't recommend this enough yes there are issues with the fonting and everything that they've done sometimes yes the stretched out art but like you know it's it's not bad it's not bad at all like if i i I'm, I'm pretty sure if i did not mention these things in the review a lot of people might not have noticed and that is exactly the point the whole point is you know you read it and you're enjoying it and uh, as long as you're enjoying it that's it so it's best that you know you make your own decision and i will i will definitely keep buying their next issue because like yeah this is this is really great presentation i have some uh, you know issues with certain certain decisions they've made but i guess they have they have already learned by now so yeah good uh, like great work uh can't recommend it enough like you know this is another quality product coming out of india uh you guys out there i i i'm i'm guessing like from what i've heard fru will uh very soon have some copies of this on their website too so yeah you know whom to contact and you know get this from i will uh the in the section of the about description there will be thing and you can go straight to shaktikomics.com i think they have a site uh, and order it directly if you are from india if you are from outside india best bet is to get it from an indian friend and if you are uh, willing to spend that extra money and you buy it from fru then so yeah that's that and happy phantoming we have some daily and sunday stories in progress we've got the sunday story 192 the ingenious ingenious i was just gonna say i'm really loving this story um we're only in the setup of it at the moment obviously and the phantom's going to see with the the more efficient uh, sorry the yeah the more emails um, and the, the two women who have got both got good marks, it turns out, have, have disappeared from the village. Um, I'm really liking the way that this story is unfolding. Yeah, it's... Yes, and, and we know that they, they end up in the city. I think we've seen um, a little tidbit on socials, I think, from, um, from Jeff. So we know kind of where they're heading. And um, we'll, see, we'll see how they're going to get there, what happens to them when they get there. Mm. I don't know. It's a bit slow at the moment, um, but I'm hoping that there's a good pay a payout or a payoff for the for the. And I don't want maybe slow is not the right word, but they're they're spending a good couple of weeks setting up the story. Um, there's, certainly, there's certainly character development. Of, yeah, of the, and I I like how Tony has spent some time developing these characters. Um, like we've got the you know we've got the king uh, here who we we talked a bit. Who, which we had featured in a previous story. We've now got him here again, how he's trying to, you know, modernise it in a sense, modernise his tribe. So I like how that's one thing that Tony DePaul's done quite well is that he's developing secondary and third level characters in his stories, which has probably been a bit of a criticism with a lot of Lee Fork stories in the past. Um, you know, So, well, the art's great. I like how also the tribes have are starting to have their own distinctive... They're all unique to each other. Yeah, so, like, again, in the past, they all, you know, they all look the same. Mm. Um, You know, from Raymore, 
Wilson McCoy, Saibari and everything where it really feels like Mike Manley and Jeff Weigel are, are making a effort to differentiate between the, the tribes. Oh, look, I, I, again, with the daily, I'm really interested in where it's going. And over the last probably, I guess, maybe the week now that we've seen Savannah start to emerge um, in, in hiding, um, the, the fact that the story is going to move back towards her again. Um, you know, we, we see um, Kit sneak out overnight. Um, yeah, I think there's... Oh, and, and oh, yeah, I'm talking what's been happening in the last week or so, I suppose. Yeah, I'm just trying um, to get there. So that's so now the Phantom's reading the chronicle of what yeah, is Moses to chronicle. happen. Yeah. And then that's basically where we see Savannah again. Yeah. So it's a, it's a continuation from the story from a yeah, number of weeks ago where tree. it was all, yeah, part of the dream under the tree. So yeah. that's a sequel to that, which has been broken up with um, um, the Phantom make making sure um allaying diana's fears about kit by showing actually kit's all right here he is um yep. i've paid off a copper he's Jeez. keeping tabs on him um i really like that actually i really like that little scene about kit like it's you know we haven't really seen like a kit adventure yet but it's just like you know like you just kind of get enough of them to remind readers hey he's there he looks like a man he looks like he's grown up He's stocky, uh, you know, he's not a boy anymore. So, um, yeah, and then this bit here is going, oh, who cares about Moz? And, you know, yeah. the Phantom's, uh, you know, the Phantom's kind of clever getting their, their attention away from Moz. Yeah. Done, this, done, the, done the thing right. Um, so <laughs> the Phantom has tissues. The Phantom has tissues in the Skull Cave. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> it's no smoking, not no crying in the skull cave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I reckon that's Diana Touch. Yeah. What were you to say there, Dan? Um, oh, it just, it's interesting that the Phantom is supporting corruption by uh, paying off these police. He's <laughs> 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 uh, in with his little Bahamas or whatever it was. That he but uh, I suppose if, if the, the level of corruption is, look, I'll pay you so you can send some video and photos back so my wife will... Um, be happier about where his son is than than all that's, that's okay. all. But yeah. <laughs> now, now the Phantom's you... reading. Now the Phantom's reading the, um, this chronicle written by Old Man Moz. It's amazing that Moz has been able to learn how to read and write so quickly because for a long time he he was a storyteller and mm -hmm. he actually couldn't read and write. How do you feel about this? Is it a, is it a huge thing in the world of Phantom, or it's just okay now he can read and write? Um, yes and no. Like, I feel like. Are you losing sleep does, over it, Jim? I'm not losing sleep over it. But it's I not do a big think deal. It's, it's okay. I do think it's something that, unless I feel, I feel like Tony needs to explain why and how Old Man Moz can now write where previously hey, you can always read and write. He was no, no, no. But I just because, no, no, because Lee Fork had, had made a point in saying that Old Man Moz does not know how to read and write. The Phantom actually uh, embarrassed and had to apologise to Old Man Moz when he said, what does this mean and handed him a chronicle in the Phantom story? And I just feel like there needs to be... If Was that in a Tony, Falk story or a Phantom yeah, story? Yeah, it was in a Lee Fork story. If Tony DePaul is changing that now, Old Man Moz can read and write, I feel there needs to be, which it's his right to do, because 
he's established enough now as a writer to be able to do that. I feel he needs to be able to explain that so there's the continuity the continu- continuity is still is still there between Lee Fork and now when Tony De- Tony DePaul is writing. But does that mean now he has to explain why the Mori now look very much different to um, the Longo or the Wambizi or anything like that? No, I don't. You know, so I don't think that's. Already? I don't think that's breaking from what Lee Fork has wrote. That's different. Yeah, but we're talking about something. We're talking about contradicting Lee Fork. And as oh, well, people you on Dan, podcast, the, the resident Falkist Dan, mate, um, Jim is the first one to point out that Lee Fork has contradicted himself any number of times. I don't think Lee Fork is rolling over in his grave, or would expect Tony DePaul to um, make any give any reason why uh, Moz is now a, a, a soothsayer and a, a future seer. Um, any more than he needs to explain what he can read and write now. I mean, yeah, I, I'm quite comfortable with the the evolution of Moz as this character. Um, I think it's I think it's probably appropriate that he might be able to um, pen a message um, in a chronicle and have his own chronicle. I think I don't mind that that concept at all. No, so it's, could it be that you know in the past he couldn't read and write because you know a different time, a different era. They were the the uneducated natives. No, see, I don't think I don't think Lee Fork ever did it like that. I think because it was always, and as a Bible scholar, you would know the importance of storytelling yourself, Stephen. Is that it was always like it was, you know? Yeah, but they couldn't read and write. It was it was told the same way Moz did it. Well, it was it was just because they (laughs) it was not important. Reading and writing was not important to them. What was important was being able to retell the stories. And I don't have a problem, like I said, I don't have a problem with old man Moz now knowing how to read and write. You know, if anything, like what it is a good thing that he can read and write. It's just if there is, and I wouldn't call it a major contradiction, but a, a minor contradiction. All it needed is say on this page here is, you know, always and always from memory. Now he's writing in the Chronicles. And all he had to say was, so he learned how to read and write. And because there has been, and I have seen some fans who have questioned that of like, you know, like, oh, how can he write and read and write it? And all it needed was just a little little comment to say he's learned how to read and write. And then, you know. Well, I think he's done that by saying, so why is this tale for me alone? So I think he's saying he's learned to read and write because it's an important tale that he needs to have written down for the Phantom. It's something that's of utmost importance for him. Yeah, I don't really think that explains how he's read and write. But anyway, this podcast has gone on for a while. We're not going to... Uh, it has I'm not been. sure if you're just look at, if you're looking for a point of difference, Stephen, or not. But uh, as a good I just like to change sometimes. I, a, I want to have a bit of fun sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, as, and as the person who's running it, that's what you that's what you kind of have to do as well. So you've done a good job. But um, look, it's 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 an interesting development having Old Man Moz writing writing a a, a chronicle. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether once the Phantom has read it, whether it goes into the Chronicle room or whether it gets destroyed or, you know, what happens to it. Um, you know, so I'm looking forward to that. We've seen Kate Somerset, her journal's gone into the Phantom Chronicle. There's been some from Julie and stuff like that as well. So, I, you know, it'll be nice to have Old Man Moz's Chronicle 
of what may happen in there for future generations to read it and to, then to be able to read the 21st Phantoms, to be able to read Old Man Mozes and to be able to go, well, my, my decisions, my actions do have consequences <laughs> and stuff like that. So I like all that future possible playing and stuff like that. So um, I'm, I'm very intrigued of where this is going. Okay. So as always, if you agree with us or disagree with our reviews, the comics and stuff from um, that we've gone through on the show today, you can let us know via our social media accounts, which are Facebook, Chronicle Came, Chronicle Chamber, ChronicleChamber.com, and the Phantom Collector Group, of course, Twitter at Chronicle underscore tweets, Instagram at Chronicle Chamber, and YouTube, Chronicle Chamber, which you, you may as well be um, watching us right now. Now, is there much news? We've got a, a couple of little points for news. We'll try and get through these quick. We've realised that we've kind of gone on a little bit with our reviews. I thought the reviews would go quick, but they didn't today. But a big news coming out from Team Phantom, and they've reached a 1,000 stories, which is an amazing achievement. Um, some highlights, um, Dan, if you could pinpoint a couple of their um, stories, which ones would you say go and read? Look, in terms of um, favourite stories, uh, one of one of my favourite Team Phantom stories has actually only been published in a through issue once. Um, it was one of, if not the first Team Phantom story I ever read, um, and uh, it was a real highlight for me. It was called The Ghost Pirates by Norman Worker and Jamie Valvey was the artist, um, published in through number 765. Um, really... Um, as I say, I think it was it would, it would have been the first Team Fundament story that I read, and so it probably uh, had such a jarring. Like Valve is a very different artist to McCoy, Moore, Barry, who were the ones who were being published by Fru at the time predominantly, um, and so the the art leapt off the page for me at the time, and and I really enjoyed the story. It's a it's a smuggler story. The Scarecrow is the villain, um, and um, yeah, it was it was just a really um, yeah, really, really cool story that I enjoyed at the time. Other ones that I remember, and as I was scrolling through the thousand, um, the, the thousand titles that have been released, um, I must confess a lot of them um, I, I think are very samey, and I find a lot of the historical stories really samey, and um, um, so they they and, and not necessarily as memorable as I find the newspaper stories. Um, the White Horseman was one that um, I really enjoyed through the middle of the 90s. I feel like it was published. And then more recently, I think the Blood Rain story um, with the, the eight different jam artists contributing was, was a really, really cool story I enjoyed as well. I forgot about that, that jam issue. That would be, that would be up there. Mm. You definitely go see. Um, I don't think there's any surprise about my number one. When I um, got back to my Phantom collection after a number of years of the, the first um, stories that I reread were the triads. So um, that one holds a special place. I just, I just enjoy it but for some reason. I just yeah. really like that story. And um, of course, it's just been uh, redone in a collected work from through in full color. One of the couple of the ones that you've got here, Gemma, um, King of Chicago. I remember that was probably the second one I read reread after the, after the triads, just the, the, the picture of, of, I think it was Grandpa. Lifting up, the, lifting, lifting up, up the, the car. car. Every yeah. time I see the name King of Chicago, I straight away it's the Phantom lifting up the car. It's just an yeah. image that is burnt into my brain. Do you remember? I might, I might to go get a commission of that one. Do you remember the interview that we did with uh, uh, Lynette Moberg, who wrote that story? 
Um, I think we said that. I was saying yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just, yeah. I, um, same. That's one of my all-time favourite ones. I remember reading that when I watched the Untouchables um, uh, movie with, uh, what is it, Dennis Quaid and Sean Connery in it. It's got Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, that's the one, so. Um, Andy Garcia. So, yeah, I remember watching that movie and reading this comic, the story around the same time. And for me, it was, and we've talked about this before, but it was kind of like the Phantom played a key pivotal point without interfering with it too much. And um, I I just, yeah, always liked that story. Um, Present in history without influencing history. Yeah. The setup was another one. Uh, that was the, mm. the, fa- the story that kind of hooked me. Um, for those who don't know, I was basically on, a, on my way to a mission trip to Indonesia. Um, and we had to you know, go get a comic. Everyone else was getting the Archer comics and all that. I got the Phantom. And I got the setup. And I've probably read it 20 times on the, pl- on the, on the flight over. It's a, like a 50-pager or 60-pager. Yeah. It's a longer story. Yeah. And it reminded me again. Of uh, the fugitive, you remember with um, Tommy Lee, Harrison, yeah, Tommy Lee and Harrison Ford and 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 Wesley Snipes and those type of movies, whereas you know like escaping from the you know the 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 policemen who are the good guys, but also so you know like You're the, chasing that, the wrong fella, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of hooked me as well. Uh, the Milk Drinker, really enjoyed that story. Uh, the Lubanga series, um, absolutely. The the Malta like the Battle of Malta or um uh the Ven- uh the Venice story where the first Phantom and second Phantom are fighting side by side, uh the first Phantom stories also where Ulf Granberg kind of added to what Lee Falk had already wrote about the first Phantom as well. So that that I remember reading those as a new Phantom fan and just like learning more about the first phantom and why he does things and why he calls himself the phantom and, and, you know, um, and all those type of things. And, and at the start of the legend of, of the man who cannot die and all that, you know, that just stuff just resonated with a, with a new phantom fan um, and just hooked me. Uh, Eden, remember, it was probably the only phantom story that I almost cried in. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just a real heartwarming story uh the beanstalk is another really heartwarming story as well which um you know the ugly the ugly swan type of uh the ugly duckling beautiful swan type of uh element as well so look, there's there's some great stories um you know it, it's kind of made me thinking guys that we probably need to do maybe a podcast talking about some of these old stories i reckon so we might see if we can do something like that for coming up it probably is a thousand stories by a single um, publisher. Uh, original stories. It's it's probably worth an exploration all to itself because um, the newspaper stories combined are less than five hundred. Uh, so and, and no other publisher would come close to that amount of original content stories. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So well done, Team Phantom, on on your achievement of a thousand stories. Well done. Saying over in Scandinavia, the Norwegian cassette has been turned into a CD. Uh, that was a crowdfunding exercise that has been successfully funded. Um, what's on this cassette again, Jer? Um, Well, there's a link, so there'll be a link in our show notes. Uh, last Comics and News, when we talked about it, we had a part of the song 
closing out. We'll probably do the same thing again. Um, but yeah, probably better off just to go to the website because it's got a YouTube video of the whole cassette. It's good news that it got crowdfunded because that wouldn't be including many Australians because it was mainly a Norwegian and Swedish um, uh, only type of exercise. So it's good. Um, to be honest, I've been that busy. I can't even remember if I funded it or not. So I got to, um, I found a guy who was going to fund for me, but I, I didn't actually send him the money. So I actually have to figure out whether I've sent, whether he actually did, did end up funding or not. So, but, um, we were looking at getting a couple and maybe using one as a Patreon prize. So we will try and do that still. Very good. Um, Sal Valuta and Eugenio, uh, Prince, uh, nearly coming out. They're, I think they're getting shipped from Europe this week. Um, yes. One left, apparently, from from what I hear. Yeah, we got one left. So if you're interested, one's a, one, yeah. So get get yourselves in. How many are you getting, Dan? Have you already put your order? You got the usual yeah, five, is it? I'm certainly keen to get one. It's um, I got the the set last year as well, and I'll just I'll just share it quickly for our YouTube audience. But um, these are the where are we? These are the, the prints that we're talking about, all in A3 size. And um, the the set that came out last, oh, I was going to say last year, but last time um, that uh, the the film festival over there in Italy was available and open um, and Sal and Eugenio put those together. They came out brilliantly and um, and uh, they do a fantastic job. I just, I love Sal's artwork and um, the opportunity to get a, a bunch more A3 size prints of his work uh, just couldn't be passed up. Yeah, can't wait for them. So hopefully they'll arrive uh, in January for fans who have, who have bought one. Okay, Iron Studios figurines. The original August 2022 date is now December 2022 uh, for Australia. Um, so which, basically there's, yeah, a new, there's a new figurine that's coming out. Uh, oh. Well, no, statue, sorry, not figurine, statue. Ah, um, that's what had me squiffed. I don't remember a new figurine, but it's a new statue. Yes, I've seen this on the socials. Yep, so um, that's it there. Again, there'll be a link in our social media or in our show notes if you have missed it. Um, what's the size going to be? Scroll up again, second, Dan. It's 18 inch, wasn't it? It's, um... uh, oh, sorry. So 25 centimetres, basically. 10 inch um, high. Yeah, it's, it's going to be probably about a kilo in weight. Now the US price is two ten, and the Aussie price is about three eighty, so it's not cheap. No. Um, now I'm not completely sold on the Phantom's face. Again, can you just scroll back to that? So if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see that. Um, What's wrong with his face? Oh, just like the like the the, the cheekbone bit doesn't really work well. Not really. Yeah, the cow bit. Not really sure on the double chin. Looks like a looks like a bum, um, and then the 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 actual mask as well. Just yeah, I'm just everything else. I kind of like. I can live with. The devil looks like a wolf, which is a huge tick. You know, sometimes he just got the se- the seams there on his shoulders. Is it, yeah, is is the face enough to stop you from buying it? Probably not. No, but I'm <laughs> not. Go- I won't be doing a pre order. Yeah. Um, I. Forking out four hundred dollars or ten percent of four hundred dollars or something like that to put in a pre-order, it's kind of scary. And I think I think a few fans have been a little bit um, put off pre-orders with so many delays, especially yeah. with um, boss fights, the the card game and the board game from through. I just think 
fans and like we discussed before, a lot of fans are the older generation and they're not so not quite so trusting when it comes to pre orders as say the new the new generation who are probably more used to it. What what I'd suggest there is um, again a lot of people prefer bricks and mortar. Um, talk to your local comic book store because um, Iron Studios is actually talking to, to to Todd from Kaboom to just drop a name there, um, um, former sponsor. Uh, he Kaboom Comics in Toowoomba. He is a huge fan of Iron Studios and their work, and he reckons that the the quality of the figurines that the or, or the statues that they produce are just outstanding. Um, he certainly is very excited for for this one coming out. I know it's a it's a, a large price point, um, and certainly won't be in everybody's um, Christmas stocking <coughs> at the end of twenty twenty two. But I think um, from from the way that he was talking about it, I think if you can afford it, if you can save your pennies until Christmas of next year to to um, pay it off at your local comic store or order it online at the time, I'm the same as you, Jim. I won't be pre ordering it, but I, other than to, to to say to my local comic book shop. Make sure you order one in for me when they come. That's a very good point. One one other way of doing it is a lay-by. I know it's a foreign concept for so many people, <laughs> but uh, you've got basically a year before it's coming out right for Australia. So $400, $400 divided by 12 months is, what's that, less than $40 a month, isn't it? Um, well, you're making sense there, Jim. Careful. Yeah. Um... <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like when you look at it that way, $40 to a comic book shop, and you can get it on your credit card. The wife won't know about it because it will get mixed up with all her eBay purchases <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and all her other purchases. But it's, it's, it's not as daunting to be able to say for the next 10 months or 12 months, I'm going to pay $30, $40 off, you know, and yeah. It, it's it's probably achievable, and then you have something quite nice that could be a feature point in your collection, which is probably what I'll be doing. I'll probably find someone who'll be getting in and say, "Well, you know, can I pay it off? Or can I lay by it?" Yeah. Um, something a bit cheaper, which um, you might still get in time for Christmas at, at this stage, but I don't quote me on that. But there's some little Christmas decorations coming up from King Features. We've got a good mark and a, a skull mark Christmas ornament, as well as a Christmas T-shirt. Um, the big thing that puts me against the Christmas T-shirt is has the Phantom shouting, which I'm not against, but he's saying happy holidays. I'm very much a Merry Christmas person, and I realise that um, that's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's my cup of tea. And so I won't be getting it, but pretty much, well, I wasn't going to get it anyway. What about if it said Merry Fanspin? Would you still get it? Oh, now we're talking. Merry <laughs> Phantoming. That one works for me. Um, but yeah, Happy Holidays doesn't. Um, no, it's very politically correct, a Happy Holidays slogan. I understand why they did it because, you know, they want to try and sell as many as possible. But I'm a traditionalist like you. Stephen, I don't even like using the word Xmas because it's you know, um, it's it's not you know it's not using Christmas. So um, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, I can't agree with Xmas because um, I would I wrote Merry Xmas using Christmas lights this year. <laughs> I did it just yesterday, <laughs> and it's come up all right. So I didn't have enough lights to write Christmas, but there's my thing. Yeah. Um, the the ornaments sell for twenty dollars US, which is about twenty seven dollars Australian. Um, 18 euro or 175 sec, and the the t-shirt which comes in two colours. There's a, a red, a white and red. So 
white main colour and red trim with the phantom in the purple, shouting out happy holidays. Um, there's that colour. There's also a, a, a looks like black and white. Was it a black and yellow? Or was that a charcoal and yellow? Yeah, um, the, the white red one looks better. Navy and gold, I think. Oh, it's actually navy. Okay. Um, well, that's $24 US, which is about 33 Australian, 21 euro, 210 sec. Um, is this in your Christmas wish list, Dan? Oh, look, it would be, yeah, for sure. Um, it's interesting when you say it out loud, like you, you've just said, the, the prices on them, um, if those Christmas ornaments were in your local sanity, which, uh, you know, are the mob that in Australia have been our shop front in the last year, I suppose, um, if they were there at $30 each, would you buy them? Well, yes, you would. Yes. Probably gonna, that's an expensive ornament for 30 bucks. <laughs> um, by the time you get them shipped over from America, gee, that's, uh, gee, that's expensive. So, um, and, and particularly with the freight from America being a bit touch and go at the moment for all of the obvious reasons, um, I'd love to get them. I'd love to hang them on the tree. Um, so, yeah, might be something I'll look at getting for next year, perhaps. I'd probably be allowed to get the good mark and put that on the tree. I don't think I'd be allowed to put the skull mark on the tree. <laughs> yeah, I might just be uh, sticking to making my own ones. I made a, a phantom iron bead today, so I might just have to <laughs> uh, stick to something like that. But um, look, again, it's the same thing. Shipping shipping, such a killer. If free had them, or yeah. if they were at Sanity, you know, yeah, you would yeah. probably buy two of each, one for the Christmas tree and one for the for the Phantom collection. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, but at that price and at the shipping price, it's it's a bit out of reach. Um, now, with the T-shirts, the, the, the Christmas T-shirts are great, but they're no ugly sweater by Jeff Weigel. So um, someone, mm-hmm. needs to, someone needs to bring out a Phantom ugly sweater. Now, I know Terry, uh, no, Trevor Clark has got himself knitted one. Oh, uh, I haven't brought my cushion onto the, onto the podcast yet. And that, you know, that is a, a truly <laughs> ugly sweater. Um, no offence, Trevor, I'm talking about the sweater and not yourself. Um, but, yeah, someone, someone needs to bring out a Phantom ugly sweater. Um, I've actually, I've spoken to my mum who, who loves knitting and I asked her, how hard is it to create your own design? Oh, no, it's not hard. You just do this, do this. So maybe if I, I'll, I'll catch up with her over Christmas and just say, if I do this, <laughs> yeah. could you knit that? Yeah, that's a good idea. I might even talk to my mum as well. It has to be done. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the, um, what was it, the Lily Peacock? Is it the Lily Peacock designs? Libby. Libby. So she was a WA uh, person. I actually went to the museum and had one of her jumpers in there. I said quite aloud, I said, you got the wrong type of jumper in there, but no one really seemed to care <laughs> but uh it wasn't a phantom jumper but she her jumpers were kind of like of the ilk of what an ugly christmas sweater could be mm. and if you haven't seen those they're 1980s were available through the uh the phantom club at the time and just iconic um really and for ugly. <laughs> that and shot ugly. of the time of the 80s <laughs> uh, ugly um what's classics uh, i don't know about ugly they're classics nigel nigel johnson who did the price guides he used to, every Phantom dinner, he used to wear a different one. <laughs> uh, and they're ugly. They're ugly. Good on but it. They're, they're perfect. We, and I know it's hot in Australia, but someone needs to bring out an ugly, ugly Phantoms <laughs> jumper. Uh, or even do it as a, um, a long sleeve tee for, for us over here in Australia. That, that seems to be, or they seem to put them in as rashy vests as well for when you're yeah, on the beach. Yeah, rashies for the beach. Anyway, we're, we're coming to the end of the podcast. We, it, I think we started a bit late, so maybe it's getting towards two hours or maybe we're 
we're well and truly past two hours now. Who knows? Probably. With all the editing that goes on, maybe we're only at an hour 15. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, but we've got a few um, podcasts in the pipeline that we're already looking at, uh, particularly over Christmas and New Year's. We've got our best of fruit with, our, with our, our annual best of fruit with our annual poll. And Fru will be supplying a prize on, on that one, so we're looking forward to that. Um, we're going to have a Merry Phantoming quiz, all right? And there's going to be a prize with that. Now, that is going to be re- recorded on the 17th of December. Um, there's going to be more details about that. Well, probably the details are going to be out by the time you, you've um, listened to this or watched this podcast. So please keep an eye on the socials, and um, we'll let you know as much as we can about that. However, it is um, what we do need to know is you need to download an app called Kahoot, okay? You will need that app in order to play this um, quiz. So just putting that out there right now. Um, We'll have our 2021 review coming up. And then we've got a special Phantom-themed New Year's resolution episode. We've got interviews coming up in January and an announcement of a special project that we are working on which is all coming together nicely. So hopefully that's wet your whistle um, in anticipation for what we've got in store for you over the next uh, little while. So once again, as I mentioned earlier, our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Um, please, if you haven't signed up to our Patreon, do yourself a favour, sign up to the Patreon and um, have access to a wide variety of things in our in our p3 and our phantom preservation project um remember please if you're just watching us and you haven't uh subscribed please click on the subscribe button hit the bell for notifications and on whatever platform you're, you're listening to us or watching us on itunes spotify uh youtube whatever it is that you're watching or listening to us on we thank you for spending this quality time with us as we've got as we've been able to chat phantom uh with ourselves and to you and from me, happy fandoming. Merry fandoming. Happy fandoming. We've got another one before Christmas yet. Melling fra chefen. Lag øyeblikkelig et nær radioprogram. Bestående av musik, moro og aktuelle ting i tiden.